Hello and welcome to the Thought Leader's Voice. I'm Rachel Kinsella, Editor-in-Chief for Thai Research Services and your host for today's podcast episode on sustainability in tech. We're delighted to be joined by Gurpreet Purewal today. He has extensive experience gathered as VP of Sales of Thought Leadership at iResearch Services. He believes that the tech industry can reap significant rewards from being more sustainable. Drawing on over a decade's worth of experience in key sales and marketing roles with global organisations, including the publishing giant Future, Gurpreet knows how to drive sales growth while promoting ESG and staying ahead of industry trends. Gurpreet's particularly interested in sustainability and its purpose, business growth in times of economic instability, remaining true to purpose, ethics and sustainability in these times of financial and geopolitical pressures, and the importance of human connection in a digital business world. We discuss his insights and expertise today on how technology businesses can reap the benefits of sustainability and the fascinating findings from our recent report, How Sustainable is the Technology Sector? Welcome, Gurpreet. It's lovely to have you here today. Hi there, Rachel. Thank you for having me. So we'll kick off. We've got quite a lot to, to cover, quite a lot of findings from our sustainability in technology sector report and um, quite a lot that we'd like to draw from your experience in the sector. So if we dive straight in, in our study, we found that an overwhelming 98% of CEOs say sustainability is very important or fairly important to tech companies. Many tech firms endorse ESG, but how committed do you think the industry is overall to ESG development and to being more sustainable and ethical? Do we find that that's being um, mostly driven by business leaders or is it also being endorsed throughout the organisation by employees at all levels? So I suppose, Rachel, it's quite quite a big question. (laughs) That's the first one. but (laughs) Really meaty one to kick off with. Quite a meaty one. But I think think across the whole globe, and I don't think it's just technology industry, but I think every industry are well aware of the benefits of kind of moving to a higher ESG profile and a higher ESG ranking. And these things have been coming from many years ago, starting with, organizations looking at first of all these kind of circular economies and circular models Mm. where organizations could basically lean up efficiencies and create high profitability margins and i think at the first time when that when the circular models came through there was a lot of questions and challenges around it of implementations but as the years have gone on we saw that as almost like kind of a first step into kind of looking at esg and how organizations did start to reap the rewards. But for CEOs in technology particularly, I think they're becoming more and more aware of their place within the ecosystem for every organization. As we see across technologies integrated, it's probably the single convergence across every industry of how they're trying to improve their business, their products and services, and their efficiencies in their business. But I think one of the hardest challenges for the CEO is how do you implement such change across the whole organization over the next kind of five to 10 years and where to really start? And I think some of those challenges lie with, you know, some of the challenges that have happened over the last, you know, two to three years with the pandemic mm. coming in, obviously geopolitical pressures that are happening now. And it, it's really trying to extract how, how can we become more sustainable? And uh, the, the way in which you can kind of look at it is in the sense of, with the pandemic coming, obviously, there was a shift of many organisations having to become digital first, this whole philosophy of we now need to become much more customer centric. We now need to create a digital first approach. Yes. And that model was fundamentally about businesses pivoting very quickly 
And obviously, these huge digital transformation implementations started to occur across multiple organizations with technology companies being the driving force for that. But it's really challenging in a time where you must pivot so quickly and try and create agility within the organization to try and hit every single objective that the business requires while still you know appeasing your shareholders so it's kind of this thing where organizations are right now are really trying to move as quick as they can but obviously are taking pressures that are externally caused by you know like we've mentioned the geopolitical issues and, and you know things like pandemics which which are things that they wouldn't have really planned for in the past and it's kind yeah. of how do they create this this overwhelming philosophy of ESG across the board? So I think it's really important for, for CEOs at the moment, but I think not just for CEOs, but their entire C-suite to make sure that this kind of moves forward and works works well. Yeah, absolutely. That actually leads me really nicely onto my next point, which was sort of, you know, who, who's responsible for this? Is it coming from the CEO? Obviously, does it extend to across the, the C-suite and uh, and senior management? And how can that be rolled out uh, across um, employees? It's one of the things that we found with our, our survey findings is that it's a motivational factor for employees, that on average, 58% of our respondents said that if a company has an ethical and sustainable business model, that they're encouraged to work harder. So that kind of leads to a model where you're conveying sustainable and ethical practices right across the the organisation and that everyone has engagement and accountability. What do you think is the the most motivational point about that? And and who do you think needs to be actively involved and and responsible for for sustainable uh, initiatives? So I would say it kind of goes on two points. So um, I think it's truly we're we're in a time now, um, and this goes across again all businesses, but in, incorporated into technology businesses is that obviously there's a there's a huge requirement now for for kind of staff and there's you know workforce workforce challenges across the board of employees trying to get the right the right specialisms and the right right people into the business. Uh, to make impact and I think what we're starting to see is some of this generational aspects where employees are now looking at businesses on who do they want to work for and what are they doing and what are they serving um, are, are they are, are they being a force for good what's their purpose what's their culture and and the whole idea of ESG is hugely important now uh, employees at every level will be looking at an organization going are they a force for good what are their purpose uh, as a business and also you know, when we look at ESG, that kind of social societal uh, element where, you know, they want a fair, fair representation of, of will they progress within this company as well? Do they have a good, you know, diversity and inclusion space? Uh, you know, can they ha- can they make impact as well? So I think I think on that respect, it's very much, you know, if you want the right, you want the best players in the market, you want the best employees, you need something like your ESG standards to be, uh, you know, at a really good level because that will have an impact on securing the right type of individuals for your organisation. Yeah. In respect to, I suppose, driving the ESG initiatives, I think it's it's, it's really challenging because it's when you're in, integrating it across your whole business, there's no easy, easy, yeah. simple solution, right? Yeah. It's it's very much that. CEOs drive the vision, so and they and they are kind of driven by their shareholders. Different different economies and different continents have a different viewpoint on this. So what you'll see is kind of Europe within Europe and North America, you are seeing shareholders begin to drive 
drive and, and request that from CEOs to become more of a, a sustainable business, you know, and really trying to lead the way. So CEOs are being pushed by their shareholders and obviously trying to drive that vision. You know, APAC is a little bit different from research that we've done previously. We know that some of those nuances are sometimes regulatory change of government policies need to drive the force because obviously the, the most important thing is shareholder growth and and revenue growth for the organization. So but they have different yeah. nuances. But I think I think the challenge lies for who's driving this initiative is is like I say, the CEO kind of has its knights of the round table, as I call them, which you keep corporates kind of, you know, the chief operating officers, the chief information officers, even to the extent of like, you know, the CMOs and chief delivery officers. And and these these individuals are really integral to be able to drive these changes. And if you look at technology today, why they're such an interesting industry is because because obviously they're creating this new digital platform, this digital first approach. But whilst technology can have a really positive role to play in businesses to help improve supply chains, create efficiencies within their processes and, and, and their services, it also can cause implications for organizations in respect to energy consumption as well. So if we take in, for example, if we look at organizations that are implementing AI now, mm. whereas before the energy consumption before would have been, you know, to host the platform or host the cloud, provide the services on top of that overlay to engage with customers. What you're now finding is deep AI requires a huge amount of energy consumption. So indirectly, whilst technology companies might be solving one issue, which is creating efficiencies within the supply chain, creating better customer services and products because there's more data and analytics, what you're also finding is that that deep level of data that you're getting is also creating huge amounts of energy consumption, which then needs to be offset in its own approach. So technology has this kind of very precarious position where, yes, they can help in the ESG landscape, but they can also be become part of the problem if they don't start to optimise in their own way. Yeah, absolutely. So, there's so many layers to it and it's transformational both uh, on a positive side and, uh, and as a challenge because, so, you know, one um, capability that, as you say, leads to, to greater efficiency uh, or, you know, various po- positives across the business or, or, or commercial p- uh, positives um, can actually lead to, to to more energy usage and uh, and further sustainability issues. So and it's a case of mapping it uh, all out and uh, and being aware of the of the implications, which I, I think you know a, a lot of companies aren't aware of the the various different implications at different levels w- within a, a tech organisation. It's been uh, flagged in a, a recent survey that we did for Pega Systems, uh, where 68% of respondents uh, s- said that they they believe sustainability would be transformational uh, for their business and, and their operations. So where do you see sort of the, this balance of, uh, of the challenges and the, and the opportunities here uh, in terms of, of sustainable initiatives, in terms of ESG, um, being able to kind of match uh, the drive for efficiency and, and stakeholder value with with purpose, with with community, with giving back uh, socially, uh, but but also the the environmental issues. So I think I think it's got a huge it's, it has huge potential, Rachel. I think I think there's a recent um, a recent study or report that Accenture had completed, which showed that organisations with a higher ESG ranking. Then the kind of mid-level groups showed a kind of two and a half times increase in shareholder deliverables and revenue um, mm-hmm. 
which is just shows that if you get it right, there's a huge opportunity, obviously, growing the business and uh, whilst being a force for good. But it's, it's one of those things in, in relation to it is that is that you can technology companies have to i suppose look at they become one of the biggest parts of the ecosystem within the supply chain so the opportunity for them is going to continue to grow as we become more of a digital first ecosystem across the globe where every business is being integrated into it it creates great opportunities to position i suppose solutions and services even closer to their customers huge amounts of data and analytics for us to to maximize opportunities and and kind of product growth and i think that's like for example you could take if you use a, the example of let's say kind of the the oil and gas sector which is basically predominantly you know this transition the, the way that technology can help for good is to help other industries really transition into more of a sustainable model as well but also maximize their efficiencies with low waste is going into kind of the circular economy and technology really really uh important with that so if we look at the kind of oil and gas sector we can look at how petroleum now obviously uses um a, a number of level of ethanol that comes from biofuels particularly comes from kind of that sugar cane uh, sugar mills across the globe now with technology afoot and being able to monitor you know the best the best weather conditions the best kind of soil integrity what what it allows them to do utilizing technology is to really understand and harness how to maximize crop yields and also the kind of weather conditions that are requirement with that which allows us to then obviously increase the potential and opportunity for biofuels to increase from a five percent element to a 10% element and then helping inadvertently reduce the kind of emission output from uh, uses of petroleum. So when we look at how technology can be so integral is that they can help organizations really improve their business models, improve that supply chain, but also have a really greater impact on on the planet in, in that relationship. Absolutely. So there is a lot of opportunity and there's there's a lot of innovation involved in in all these initiatives that, that are coming out that, that are being driven by by tech. Um, but it can lead to to greenwashing. Uh, and this is another big issue that's been, that's been flagged in in uh, multiple research pieces that, that, that we've done. In our most recent study with the tech industry, um, nine out of 10 industry professionals felt that greenwashing was pervasive across the industry now obviously there's greenwashing of of different kinds and and different levels that it could just be purely over enthusiasm about about new innovations in sustainable initiatives or it could be a deliberate device to to mislead or to kind of detract attention away from from other less sustainable uh, initiatives so you know how do tech companies find, find that balance how do they create greater transparency um, around where they've got to with sustainability initiatives and uh, and what they're able to achieve with, with tech and innovation in the sustainability space without you know over exaggerating or you know um, being seen as certainly by the uh, the wider public and uh, and critics as as greenwashing it covering up other less you know less salubrious areas. I think the first goes on to just the sheer honesty that the organisation needs. And this kind of looks at basically technology co- companies with kind of the level of integrity that they need to kind of mm. move forward with it. 
And there's kind of a number of ways in which it needs to be done. So a lot of organizations obviously have, and a lot of tech companies actually have promised to get to net zero by 2030 um, and, and quite close to that. And some organizations, I think Microsoft being one of them, have committed to um, going past that and becoming carbon neutral. But it's, there needs to be consistency across uh, the technology industry on what net zero stands for. So um, because obviously what a lot of organizations are trying to do, obviously a lot we're saying is to be seen as a force for good. So they want to you know, attract the right kind of employees. They want to be seen as this positive, um, positive entity within um, helping, obviously, in that sustainability area. But one of the things, obviously, they need to be when we talk about honesty is that the integrity to to exactly how far they've gone. Now we know that with technology, one of the you know they have huge amounts of energy that's required and energy consumption to be able to deliver on that. Um, and a lot of organisations are you know doing the right things. Like Vodafone, for example, I think this year created a partnership and a collaboration with a, a energy organisation where most of the energy they're getting is through renewable sources, which is great. But there comes a point where a lot of organised a lot of technology companies have kind of reached their limit where they've looked at their supply chains to a degree they've looked at creating these renewable energy resources but they still have a gap to hit that net zero um, and it's that kind of honesty and integrity that they need to look at where they don't try and offset by saying we're planting more trees or we're going to buy carbon credits because the fundamentals of that is that if every organization bought carbon credits because they couldn't quite reach or uh, obtain that actual net zero principle, then what you're going to have is the same issue that we have right now, which is fundamentally why I think a lot of technology organisations are being called out for greenwashing. And it's also the set principle. So the Paris Agreement that was initially put out had a, had a kind of, uh, I suppose, a, a lower limit to hit to basically achieve kind of that net zero target. And that becomes then a headline for an organisation. But that kind of distortion that you have and that lack of consistency or transparency is one of the fundamentals. And these technology companies, obviously, it's a huge investment that you need to make within these. Um, but by kind of muddying the waters within these spaces, what you do is it doesn't, you cause impact within other set groups. So where you're looking for investment, if you're ESG rating a lot of shareholders now, obviously, like we say, Asset management groups are looking at organisations with very, very good ESG ratings to do to investments in. By muddying the water, not particularly showing that what you're doing is you're distorting the investment areas as well, where technology companies are really trying to push it and are, I suppose, hitting or achieving their kind of ESG objectives. They could get muddy in the waters with, with these other tech companies that basically are just hitting the headline for positivity to try and get that brand profile up to secure further investments. Yeah, so it's really about that transparency and, and trust and but greater consistency of, of reporting so that externally investors can can see where companies have got to in terms of their, their sustainability, credibility, in terms of their their various initiatives that they, they, they've got going on. Because it's about more than carbon as well, of course. There's all the social aspects to it. There's, there's other environmental aspects. Um, so by being able to to report this and being very transparent about progress, um, it seems to be be the way that it's working well in terms of brand profile and, and credibility w- without greenwashing and being more 
appealing to investors and and indeed to to shareholders and you mentioned obviously this you know commercial success that that comes with being a more sustainable uh, business which has been flagged in in a number of research studies recently and kind of bringing that together and and being able to to demonstrate that to, to to the wider public to to stakeholders internally and and externally so we've talked about the commercial aspects. We've talked about being more appealing uh, and more engaging for for talent, particularly in a time when the tech industry is is really in a, in in a war for uh, for the right talent and and getting the right people in the in the right roles. How do you feel sustainability can be used as a sales tool without greenwashing? Because I think that's quite quite an interesting com- conversation. So you know. Um, We've talked about multiple commercial benefits and uh, operational benefits uh, from sustainability and uh, and running a more ethical organisation. But um, how do you feel that it works from from a sales and business development perspective? I think it's the same case for for uh, the only way to kind of achieve you know net zero across all industries, with, especially with technology as well, is that it becomes that kind of leading differentiator. So obviously. The impact your supply chain has on to your ESG ranking, whichever industry you're in, will be defined on on lowering that kind of carbon emission output. So I think it's how they look at themselves through that kind of supply chain element. So where we have, if, if we're looking at it from a business development standpoint, is when your customers are looking for partnerships and they're looking to lean out that supply chain, it's knowing that full well that by working with you, not only are they getting you as a you know someone with a high ESG standard who basically has its own let's say for example for technology renewable energy are using kind of you know are reducing down your kind of direct one two and three emissions it also means that the ecosystem that you have as a supply chain and and your affiliated partners will also be towards that standard so what it does is it gives I suppose trust and also assurances that by working with you, not only is it you as a as a supply a part of that supply chain, all your affiliated partners should be at that similar standard. And when you bring that into it, it kind of has a has a much much I suppose much more powerful impact in, in when you're having conversations with potential prospects and customers. I was going to say it brings into the uh, the partnerships point as well. With quite a, a lot of research that that we've done has has shown that organizations in the tech industry are partnering with other organizations within the tech industry on sustainability initiatives for credibility for working across the supply chain and also potentially to reduce costs where we see that there are significant costs involved in in implementing uh, sustainability initiatives according to the various uh, SDGs and and the objectives. In our most recent sustainability and tech report, 68% of professionals believe that partnership is vital to make progress with sustainability. Um, Most firms are looking within the tech industry itself um, to help them with those partnerships and and indeed the majority of the partnerships that that were mentioned in in our research were within within the tech sector. How important do you think uh, partnerships are in in supporting all of these uh, initiatives uh, and processes? And are there any that have have stood out to you uh, as particular areas of success? Yeah, I think... I think partnerships are really crucial um, in the technology group in the technology industry, and um, the main the main reason is is that obviously many technology companies are offering 
different services and different solutions to the problem of their customers, which whatever respective industry. So to be able to create an ecosystem or a partnership um, with different tech organizations that almost complement your brand or complement your solution and service to offer this kind of wide, uh, all-encompassing solution for a client um, is really powerful in its own essence. So even outside the sustainability, while having this kind of full solution or suite of partners that can go in and help and implement um, it to a customer is, is really powerful in its own right. But to take that, to be able to work with these affiliated partners and to look at how they can create new innovations or new ways and methods of working um, to tackle the ESG challenge is, 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 is probably the, the most powerful way in which organisations can kind of leverage themselves into, uh, into helping their customers and also kind of reducing on this global remit. When we look at this, it kind of, it's not just kind of those technology partners, but it's very much technology is always sat as part of or part of a transformation, uh, maybe a bit later within the process of when a business is looking at how they how they kind of change their strategy and optimize. So, uh, where you might have it, for example, is that you're seeing a lot of the um, consultancy practices, for example, whilst whether they're technology uh, consultancies like Accenture or the ones that are a little bit non-traditional like uh, Deloitte's and uh, KPMG's are now playing in consultancy spells to help business transform their, their well transform into being more you know sustainable creating better circular economies um by technology these um groups working with the management consultancies at the beginning they can start tacking the conversation with their affiliated partners to really have an impact on on these on their customers organizations because what happens sometimes is that a business strategy is created to optimize for esg and there's some suggestions or recommendations around that um, but what happens is without the technology partners in 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 that conversation at the, at the kind of forefront and the beginning of that, they can't really work with the rest of the ecosystem to understand how that how they can accomplish that and how do they best approach it. So um, by all of these kind of organizations coming together from the consultancies to, let's say, for example, a cloud solution service like Google or Azure or AWS and their affiliated partners to be able to build uh, you know, uh, uh, an architecture for an organization, those those conversations where they understand the customer's challenges and and the requirements and, and at which stage they're implementing these kind of ESG standards will allow these technology organizations to really have understand the pain points, work with their own ecosystem to then have a have a greater impact and a greater impetus on that ESG strategy. There's a real opportunity there to not be over-reliant on other industry partnerships, but to actually get involved in partnerships with, with consultancy firms, with business advisors, with, uh, with other sectors um, at the outset uh, to start to implement change and, uh, and start to transform processes and, and supply chains uh, at a much earlier stage. Uh, it's uh, something that, um, that that we've not really talked about before, and I, th- I think that's a very important point. Um, and also the role of um, membership organisations and, and, and trade bodies in in being able to to represent the industry, but also to connect with with other sectors um, and to to engage with policymakers and, and government on on what's going to be um, most beneficial from a regulatory perspective. What about costs? Because obviously we've talked about 
that there's a there's so much work that needs to be done to to implement these initiatives to uh, to create a more sustainable um, business, particularly in in the tech sector. And um, we, we've talked about uh, you know who needs to be involved and um, looking right across the supply chain. So costs are a huge factor in in that. And when looking at an investment in in sustainability initiatives uh, within our recent research. Uh, we found that um, that not huge amounts were were being um, spent specifically on sustainability initiatives. Um, do you feel that that's because of recent geopolitical events and and the pandemic and and that there've been other priorities um, where um, certainly what we found from our research that the uh, the bulk of investment has gone into IT infrastructure and uh, and tech innovation because that's been needed in response to uh, to, to recent events um, and it's looking like the bulk of the investment is still going to go into into those areas do you think this is an, an area that needs to be addressed and uh, and what do you think we could we can do to to, to start to change that I don't think it's quite as simple as maybe that kind of how much investment are we putting into sustainability for tech companies I believe it's probably a little bit distorted in the, in, the, in the kind of revenue factors. So we know that a lot of tech organisations as well as other organisations have implemented a sustainability group who are leading kind of the initiative to deploy better procedures and processes across the company. But when we obviously, when we look at that, that could be looking at investment into that one group to basically help drive sustainability. But we might be seeing a bit of distortion where in different functions, some of their investments are be obviously their priorities have been shifted to maybe be more ESG focused. So if we look at the operations group, for example, part of their investment may be going into leaning up their supply chain, but it might not be directly linked with ESG. So what we might be seeing is like this kind of indirect approach to ESG where budgets for each of the groups are being utilized as part of that approach. But like we say, in that respect, it's not a simple way to to really focus sustainability and and having a focal point like a sustainability group is great but it's really going to take on the budgets and the investments and the directives of of each of those uh those major c-suite groups so when we look at Mm -hmm. so it and and for them obviously some of their priorities are it's almost contradictory in what they're trying to achieve if we look at the coo group they are they are requested to reduce costs improve efficiencies maybe on the same budget that they were working before. But we, we very much know that to create an ESG model, uh, it's, it's a sizable invest, investment to change the way in the process and the approach that you're doing. You might find that your supply chain at the beginning at the front end of that will become more costly at the beginning because the organisations mm-hmm. that you're then partnering with have are, are scaling up in the same approach and that investment slightly higher, but the long-term benefits are going to be uh, show reduced costs but uh, that's the challenge that kind of lies with these businesses in, in the fact that the short-term challenge of trying to still achieve those objectives without the investment is going to kind of hinder the long-term aspiration of obviously getting to that ESG mark that they're looking at or the sustainability mark that they're doing so I think it's looking at it from an investment standpoint I think it's probably a little bit more disconnected from a certain amount that's given to sustainability group and then how it's being built within the organization yeah but I also think that the kind of the second point is that 
we know it's a huge amount of investment and and for tech companies you know there's more and more technology companies coming up with new innovations and solutions to to, to help industries and organizations and their customers but we'll start to probably see is a huge gap emerge because where we're seeing the best you know the best wins in regards to company technology companies moving and transitioning to a very sustainable model are are the larger organizations they are the the microsoft's the google's the basically the organizations with the biggest pockets uh, where they they can really put investment in and what we're going to see is that that's okay for those real big tier one big five tech organizations who have the pockets to be able to do that but where I suppose governments and industries need to work in partnership more is that huge pool of technology companies sitting below that who where these investments are huge and could really really impact how their business scales um, and that is where the governments and uh, NGOs and industry bodies need to sit to see how can we get the right investments and the right partnerships and make sure that you know where governments are investing huge amounts of money to create net zero ambitions those are deployed to the right technology companies who need the right help so it's not just left in this big top circle group who are getting the investment and they're transitioning quickly it's these lower technology companies who are scaling who are still coming into billion dollar companies but the the investment's huge that they're required to basically make that a fundamental change Absolutely. So it's looking at it from a company size perspective, investment relative to, to company size, but also looking at it from a departmental level, um, because th- there'd be very different initiatives going on, uh, as you say, with different priorities and objectives, where significant investment is is going in. And you know, a portion of that will be towards sustainability initiatives, but some of it will, will be to other productivity or across the supply chain so it's again it kind of comes back to sort of that transparency and the uh, and the reporting um across different areas of the business in terms of priorities and priorities for investment but also the that collaboration and uh, and dialogue with policymakers government um and, and the the power of partnerships to be able to to help implement these changes to look at it on a company level but also look at it in in terms of the the overall landscape of the industry, the size and the and the type of company, and and what contribution that they can make, and and what's going to work for for them. So there's a lot of opportunity there, but also significant challenges that hopefully can be tackled through better partnerships, through through better collaboration and and communication across the industry and and, and with other industries. You mentioned earlier about um, using different technologies in in different sectors to improve sustainability. Have you got some some good examples of technology that is really working towards supporting sustainability in in some example sectors? We talked about oil and gas industry, for for example. What about financial services or some of the other B2B sectors that are benefiting from technology that's helping to improve sustainability? Yeah, I think I think probably one of the the, the majors is probably AI and machine learning. I think that's mm. probably one of the the biggest players within most spaces and particular financial services. Financial services for two reasons is that obviously we know the potential of AI is huge, but to be able to really look at deep rooted analytics. So if we look at financial institutions and the way in which they invest funds and and look at kind of you know the way in which they can create green bonds and the kind of organization they want to go to ai allows 
uh, I suppose, to make better informed decisions looking at data. And the more and more, obviously, ESG data that we start to get, and the more transparency there'll be, it will make sure that the investments that are made are going to the right organisations and challenging the organisations who are almost the kind of ones who are putting their heels into the digging their heels into the ground and slowly transforming and by kind of pushing the right investments into the right places where you're going to see financial services obviously growing portfolios for their shareholders in the, in the relations of those investments because like we said with the essential point ESG rankings are showing huge increase in revenue potentials and, and outputs for for shareholders so um, AI is working well within that respect, but also from a kind of societal base as well, is that financial services have always traditionally been very poor at creating products that are fit for purpose for, for customers. If we look at the kind of retail banking space, it's always been a kind of case where banks have imposed products and services based on what might be the most profitable, what they think might be might be the best solution for customers. But AI and machine learning will allow us to really understand on which products and services are really required in in those groups. We'll see uh, more data coming through and more transparency about any kind of gaps within inclusivity on you know loans or or mortgage applications, and it, see if there's any lean biases towards certain cultural differences or regional specifics which will allow basically banks to fundamentally change the type of products and services they're bringing out based on those regional cultural stances um the only concern around that is obviously ai and machine learning um from the level of coding needs to make sure that it doesn't have that institutional bias built into it so again it's like, it's like yeah. where we look at ai as being a force for good it can also be a force for, for problems as well so it's making sure that when, when AI machine learning is utilized, it, we remove some of the biases that are in play so that it can have a really uniform look at when it's providing these kind of credit or loan opportunities or mortgages, like we say, from the retail banking side. But AI, yeah, as we say, AI and machine learning is probably the thing that's the, one of the biggest driving of innovators, giving us more data for us to make more change. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's come out in multiple surveys that we've done as well, where uh, AI is seen as the the most significant potential change maker in, in terms of sustainability uh, across different sectors. Um, and there's very much recognition across the tech sector that, that that's the, the case. So um, now it's a matter of looking at, at how it can best be be implemented and and also looking at if there, if there are any additional challenges in bringing that about, as you said, in, in terms of assessing institutional bias with, within uh, AI, um, particularly when, when looking at particular financial sectors and, uh, and other applications. So it's, it's positive that, um, that that's being flagged by uh, a number of sectors as, uh, as a key uh, differentiator in terms of sustainability. And I think as various industries are, are start refining their, their use of AI and, and machine learning, we're, we're going to start to to see sort of you know more interesting and innovative use cases uh, across sectors so there's a lot of challenges that there, there, there's a lot of opportunities um you flagged a, a number that that we hadn't considered or, or that hadn't actually come up in it in our research on balance all things considered how optimistic are you about the the future of tech I'm really optimistic about technology I think if if you look at where we were 10 years ago and where we are today, it's just astronomical improvement. Um, and the acceleration of innovation is is huge. 
how technology companies are moving forward it's great to see that they understand their place within within uh, you know in, in the world and their their potential for change so i think i think for the technology industry i think it's just very much continuing the journey that they're setting out um and and yeah just kind of imposing that transparency and consistency and honesty in the way that they work but when you look across um, the different industries technology have been very good at creating those partnerships, create, creating those alliances. Um, and they have almost the, the most information or knowledge base because they're working cross industry to understand each yeah. of their challenges in a way that no other organizations can, can fathom or can, can work. So it allows them to almost be the pivot for change. So the more that the tech industries have influence across at the kind of almost at the political agenda, at policy making, at working with each of the industry, um, industry groups and bodies, um, they're going to be fundamental to transform and make sure that we begin to reduce our emissions, improve societal benefits. Um, yeah, so hugely optimistic with, with what they can do. Excellent. Uh, well, thank you. It's been really, really great talking to you today, Gurpreet. Uh, I think we've covered off a, a lot of ground. And yeah, I, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about, about technology's uh, opportunity to, to really bring about sustainable change. And I'm really excited and interested to, to see how things will pan out. Thank you very much for joining us today um, and speak to you again soon. Thanks, Rachel.